relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Impressive. Most impressive. See things you people wouldn't believe. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. on the barrel pull a trigger go ahead pal be my guest go ahead if you're serious you shouldn't tempt me man put it in your mouth bullet might go through your your ear and not kill you yeah under the chin yeah yeah, 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 under the chin. those little nostril flares that is definitely method acting at work that's stanislavski a crucial moment from the movie lethal weapon where sergeant murtaugh realizes that new partner he's crazy we're making movies great again with my good buddy co-host the one and only mr reagan aka chris coles chris welcome did you have fun watching this movie (laughs) how could i not i mean this is really one of my favorite movies of all time I love the interplay between these two actors. And you know what? They had something in this film that we don't see enough of today in in movies and TV shows. It's giving each other crap. You know? (laughs) Which is what guys do. If guys like each other, we give each other crap. Exactly. (laughs) And also, in his own family, his daughter's walking up the stairs. He grabs the bacon out of her hand. She's like, Dad, that's mine. He's like, my bacon now. (laughs) And, like, that's what families do, you know? (laughs) They spent so much time with this film trying to make every character organic and natural. And a lot of this movie is pretty typical 80s stuff that you would see in other 80s movies of the type, you know, action-y type movies. They just did everything so well. They, the attention to detail and the care that they put into this and the charm and the charisma of the actors. Mel Gibson, honestly, like rewatching this, one of the most naturally charismatic actors probably of all time. And, and just the chemistry, the chemistry mm. that they have. I mean, there are older buddy cop movies, I think, in, in the modern 
genre, I think, what is it, 1974's Freebie and the Bean is kind of where they, they say this is the first modern body cop movie. But this, this is where it really gets cemented as a thing in American pop culture. Don't, don't you think this is it, Lethal Weapon, Chris? There, there are so many things in this movie while I was watching it going, oh, I think that's where this started. <laughs> you know, like these cliches, these movie cliches. At the very end of the film, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Lethal Weapon. Yes, guys, in, 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 in mo- this show, okay, there, there, are, there are no things we will save you from. Every movie re- you, you, you watch us review, you better have seen it. Sorry, Chris. There's this great, there's this great fight scene in the, at the very end. You know, he's fighting Gary Busey. He, he, he defeats Gary Busey in this fight. Gary Busey at the very last moment pulls a gun and the two guy, the two cops, the two buddies who are now fast friends, both at the same time, pull their guns, boom, boom, both take him out. And it's that weird, what I would consider a cheap trick at the end, a, 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 a lame twist where it's like, oh, the bad guy's down, the bad guy's arrested, the bad guy's gone. No, he's still alive, you know. Uh, they kind of reused that in, uh, in Die, Hard. Die Hard. But the thing is, the, the way they did it in this, the way they did it in Die Hard, it actually works pretty well. And I don't know that maybe this, this may be the first iteration of that. So you got to hand it to them. It's not really a cheap trick if you're the first one to use it. You know, it's kind of a brilliant thing to have done. And the fact that they both shoot at the same time gives them this, like, closing moment of violent friendship which you just <laughs> you just have to love it now I as i was great. walking I as i was walking moment. through the uh, production offices you were you were chatting with my associate producer eric and you said something that surprised me because we have already mm. reviewed here on making movies great again uh, die hard which also i Iconic, iconic 80s movie. If you haven't seen it, go to Rumble, watch our discussion on Die Hard. And you said something to Eric that this movie for you seems more dated. And that kind of, really? Tell me about that. Well, this movie, I think, came out the year before Die Hard did. Um, But it shouldn't make it, you know, that much more 80s, right? But I felt just like watching Die Hard, I felt like everything was timeless. You know, he's wearing... Uh, a sleeveless tee, you know, like what you would call a wife beater. I know that would trigger some people, but he's wearing the wife beater. He's wearing like a lot of the clothes and stuff are just kind of like timeless, like suits and ties and stuff like that. Corporate looking. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of 80s-ness into it. But but in this film, there's a lot of car scenes. There's a lot of street scenes. There's a lot of stuff where you see people from the 80s going around doing their 80s thing. The music has that kind of a jazzy vibe, that jazzy guitar vibe. And, and also and the, sax- was- the saxophone and the Eric Clapton guitar. That, that is, you know, but Die Hard has that limo that is so 80s, that limo that picks him <laughs> up. I mean, that's like, yeah, sorry, this movie was made in the 80s, right? There are some like, yeah, very, very 80s moments that'll take you a little bit and go, oh, yeah, I forgot this is a movie from the 80s, you know. Uh, but I think, yeah, m- more Lethal Weapon from from. A to Z is is an 80s film, maybe because of the mullet, you know, like your producer was saying. <laughs> and doesn't he look uh, so young? Yeah. Mel looks so flipping young in this film. Well, that's only because you're used to seeing him now. I actually had the opposite reaction. What? Because I was thinking about how young he actually is in this film. I think he's 30. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and yet he looks like he's 40, but like a very handsome 40, but a very handsome 40. And he's actually playing at least six years older than he actually is because he's a Vietnam he says that vet. He was, right. 
He's a, exactly. And he actually talks about in 69, he ran into some guys. And I calculated that and I was like, he was 12 in 69. <laughs> so he would have had to be at least six years older than he actually was in real life to play that properly. But he does have a face of a guy who just like perpetually looks 40. I think he turned 18, looked 40, like a very handsome 40. And they just stayed that until he was like 70. You know. Now, you've said previously that one of the things about the movies we review and the movies that we really love is, is they create a world that we want to be in. Uh, do, mm. we, do we want to be in this world? Is Lethal Weapon a world you want to be in? I do. I actually do want to be in this world, and I'll tell you why. It's rare. I think, you know, I've doctored a, a, a movie poster of Lethal Weapon 3 with you and me in it. Yeah, we, we, we use it to promo the, the show on Twitter, and it's really good. On Twitter, yeah. It's pretty funny. And then we got Trump in the background instead of Joe Pesci. But, uh, <laughs> but like, you and I clicked. Like, the first time I talked to you, we clicked. Yes. And there's people like that in your life that you meet that you go, okay, I get along with this guy. And we're of slightly different ages, slightly different generations, and yet we, we, we grew up with similar values, similar kind of life experiences. Uh, you obviously much more intense and interesting than mine, but nevertheless. <laughs> you have a ways uh, to and, go. And, you have a way, if, you're, if you're as old as me, you'll be as intense as I am. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Um, but, but, like, these two guys, you know, they're giving each other crap at the beginning. They don't like each other. And actually, when I was a boy, one of my best friends, I didn't like him when I met him. And then we became best friends. My, and that's my, kind of my like real life that happens. My son's closest buddy in life. They hated each other in school. I mean, utterly, mm. this other guy bullied my son. And when my mm. son said, I'm leaving this school because I want to go rowing and there's no crew team, that he just he said, what do you mean you're leaving? And they became the best buddies. And, like, you know, they wow. are as thick as thieves now. Isn't that weird? It, 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 but, see, that happens. That's actually not as uncommon as you might expect. It's sort of counterintuitive, but that sort of thing does happen. And so this movie really rings true on that level and so many other levels. I mean, there are so many great things about this film that make it not just uh, watchable but kind of naturalistic, more naturalistic than you would expect for, like, uh, you know, an action movie with all these explosions and ridiculous things happening. It, it, it seems real despite the, you know, heightened reality. It seems real. It does. And I mean, a lot of it has to do with the camaraderie between these two men. And, and that's just such a beautiful thing. It's something that you want. You want friends like that. You do. You want buddies that you can rely upon and they're going to eat your wife's bad, bad Christmas dinner. We're talking to Chris Coles, Mr. Reagan. Follow him on YouTube. He is the alpha critic as well. We're making movies great again. If you enjoy our show here, subscribe. Go to Spotify. Plug in the name Sebastian Gawker, America First. Never miss an episode. Uh, leave us a five-star review. It does help with the dastardly algorithms. And share the links with your friends. Likewise, if you're America First... Check out the store for all the gear. Hottest selling item is the FBI t-shirt, but this time it stands for Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. Also the challenge coin you, the dear listener, demanded. We designed it. We made it. It's got the president, America first, and our motto, stay frosty. What movie is that from? We'll be back with you momentarily here on America First. Oops. You ever met anybody you didn't kill? Well, I haven't killed you yet. Well, well don't do me no favors. Huh? 
<laughs> I haven't killed you yet. That's what it. That's what it's about. That's the buddy buddy cop. The giving each other crap, and that's why we love this movie. We're making movies great again, and uh, I think we found the original poster for the movie. This is the one they didn't use. I don't know why. It's much better than the uh, the one they ended up using. So. You don't have it? How can you not have it? I mentioned it at least three seconds ago. You've got to put it up on the screen. In the meantime, the tone. What's the tone of this? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Do we have this? Okay, Chris. What is the tone of this movie? Because it's interesting. Just like Mm. the last movie we reviewed, this is a buddy-buddy movie. It's a cop movie. Mm. It's funny. It's cool. Mm. The Eric Clapton music and, you know... But it's dark as well, right? I mean, just the, the, the suicide scene at the beginning when he's chewing on his gun, looking at his dead wife's photograph. Then, I mean, for the 80s, the torture scene, wow, with the you know, electrodes and the water. This is not a light film, is it? Well, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I keep talking about how naturalistic it is to like give each other crap and the, and the camaraderie between the two men. Another thing that Richard Donner did that I think was really brilliant is he allowed the scenes to breathe. He took his time with these moments. This scene with him, this is a very touching scene, and it's a very hard scene to watch. Yeah. Because this feels real. You believe that this guy wants to kill himself oh, his because eyes, he misses his wife. His eyes, this guy is is about to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and he does it so beautifully and so well. I mean, as an actor, it's not beautiful to watch somebody want to kill themselves. You know, that's kind of horrific. But, but the the the, the talent, the 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 sheer talent, and the the ability he has to portray this scene effectively. Uh, you know, you you like this guy. You hope that he's going to win. You hope that he's going to overcome this issue, and then he does later in the movie. Uh, and so it's it's really a scene of redemption. The whole movie is about this man's yes. redemption. And and it's through this partner that he has that he doesn't like at first. They don't like each other. Then there's a moment where they go to his house for dinner. He eats his wife's cooking. They're, the family's joking around in the ways that you do. The daughter has a crush on him, which is hilarious. And, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff does happen. And it's just – and the fact that he just lets this scene go in, in the sort of the natural time that it would take for him to do that. Wow. I mean you just wouldn't see that today. And, and, and yet this – this is just handled so delicately, so beautifully, really, really well. Great filmmaking, really great filmmaking. That's such an. Int- I hadn't even thought of the, the aspect of timing, but there's a moment here that, and you know, you're the actor. I, I'm just the consumer of this stuff. But there's this when this when this scene ends, it's just masterful. There's this extra beat where he says, "Right," he says, "I'll see you later, Vicky Lynn." Mm-hmm. Much, much later. Right. He's he's come over the cliff. He said, OK, I'm not going to kill myself. And damn it, you know, I, I'm not ready to go yet. And it's that that extra beat that just makes it for, for me. Yeah. And he's tortured by this, knowing that it will be much, much later. Yeah. But, you know, we find out in the next scene or well, a couple scenes later that the reason he does it is because he has a sense of duty to his fellow man. Yeah. He feels like he has a purpose in this life. The and job. He can't he says go it, it's, yet. It's the job. It's right? the job. The yeah. job. All right, let's talk, about, let's talk about the actors. Let's talk about the cast. Let's talk about the, the bad guys, the good guys. Busey, oh my gosh. Let's talk about yeah. the general. Let's talk about this, this guy that's been in every horror movie uh, made by... I'm a- pretty sure everybody in this film is a Trump supporter. 
I would probably guess that uh, everybody in this movie is a, maybe not the the uh, the lady of negotiable pr- uh, um, uh, affection, maybe not Trixie, but Tom Atkins, for example. <laughs> I mean, just a man in every you know Carpenter movie of the 1980s. Talk to us a little bit about Mr. Joshua. Talk to us about uh, Gibson and his partner, Sergeant Murtor. What a great cast. Oh, I I don't know what they were doing to get this cast together, but it was whatever they did. It was right. Uh, I mean, Danny Glover alone is just such a charming guy. It's just such a, a presence on screen. And then Mel Gibson, they were like, OK, let's not just cast somebody who can act crazy. Let's get somebody who is a little crazy. <laughs> so they got Mel Gibson, right? And then Gary which, we, which Busey, we didn't know back then. We know now he's a little bit crazy, but uh, <laughs> man, he can play it, right? Well, he's got he's he's kind of like me. He's got intensity like that comes out of his core. You know what I mean? I'm like I can relate to this. Right. I can relate to this. And you can channel that as an actor and you can have that intensity like a little bit over the top and it makes you a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? So I don't even think he has to really act. He's just like, okay, just ramp up the intensity slightly. And then Gary Busey, you know, I know he had a car accident. I know he had a little bit of brain damage. I know he had a problem later in his life, which is a little bit tragic. And, yeah. you know, he was on, uh, you know, he was on Trump's uh, television show and uh, he became kind of a meme for a little while. But I mean, when you go back to this film and you see, you know, what he was able to do when he was younger as an actor, I mean, it is such a, a solid performance. It's so intimidating it's you believe that this guy is as tough and as terrifying as he's portraying himself to be in the film. Which is interesting because he's not of the, you know, uh, Schwarzenegger, Stallone kind of, you know, he's not, he's not this beefcake guy. But, dude, you believe that he's deadly and dangerous. He's got a weird-looking face, though. Yeah, no, no, the, the face is weird, but he's, <laughs> I think not, that he's, not, he's, not, he's not, you know, this buff superhero type no, no. that is physically intimidating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, but he pulls it off. He's, it's, it's his presence. It's the way he speaks. It's the, it's the way he just looks at you. Right. You think, okay, this guy's serious. Like, this is a dangerous guy, you know? Now, the script, you are a writer. The script, Shane mm-hmm. Black, come on, uh, talk to us about Predator and just the beats here. It's, it's tight as a script, isn't it? It is. It, it's a great script. I would actually argue that it's not as tight as Die Hard. I think Die Hard is a better script in terms of like you can follow what's going on very easily in Die Hard. You know exactly what's happening throughout the entire film. When I was younger, I didn't really understand the plot of this film. And I, I would say that until watching it this time around, I, there were things I missed. Well, it's, it, this is the this. scene. I mean, this is the scene where the plot is being explained, right, by mm-hmm. by Sergeant Murtal's buddy, whose daughter has been killed. And and if if you're not paying attention, you you don't really get it. What connections in the Golden Triangle, drugs in Thailand, Vietnam War? Uh, basic- it's a little easier to to cop now. You know, when you're a little bit older and you've you've been educated on some of these things. They even had a movie called Air America with Tom Cruise. Yes which they're referencing that actual event in this film. So obviously whoever, either Shane Black or whoever doctored the script to, to get that in, had done their research and they knew that this is before the internet, guys. I mean, th- th- these guys knew their stuff. They knew what had happened there. So they were integrating real life stuff into the script, which was really fascinating. Um, but there is a red herring early on 
where you know they go to this guy's mansion thinking that he's yeah, the it's one a dr- who... it's just a, yeah just some kind of low level drug dealer but yeah whether it's the phoenix program the assassination of uh, vc officers whether it's air america the cia's uh, quote unquote civilian uh, airline or or all of this stuff is integrated from real life and this scene when the chopper comes up wow and nails nails this individual through the window that is some serious movie making there we are making movies great again Follow my buddy, Mr. Reagan USA, on Twitter. I'm Sebastian Gorka. If you enjoy our show, then follow me on all social media platforms that matter. Truth Social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter, Telegram, CloudHub. You can watch us, SalemNewsChannel.com, and my Substack, SebastianGorka.Substack.com. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, my buddy, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back to my listeners. The Percal bedsheet set is available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're on sale. For example, the queen size is regularly $89.98, but now for you, just $39.98 with your listener promo. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percal sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. It's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-829-8468, promo code Gorka, or just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio list square, and plug in G-O-R-K-A. That's 1-800-829-8468, or MyPillow.com, code Gorka. All right, we found it. We found it on the eBay, the original poster for a lethal weapon, much better than the one they actually used. Uh, although in real life, I'm not sure President Trump is a little taller than that, but it looks good. I like it. I like it. I'm the old guy with the with the uh, six-shooter, with the revolver, but that's fine. It's a three fifty seven. It's a serious gun. Uh, and of course, uh, the, the, uh, the crazy guy is Chris. He's got the M9. I'm going to just uh, geek out here. The, the Chris made this poster. It's superb. That is our making movies great again. Post. I'm going to geek out because I'm a gun guy. If it's a movie with guns, we're going to talk guns. Let's put the first gun up. These are the famous guns. No, no, it's in reverse order. All right, send it. Send it first. I want to, no. Go next one. All right. This is the first gun that stars in the movie. This is in the Christmas tree scene at the beginning. This is what the bad guy holds to Mel Gibson's head as he says, "Shoot the guy! Shoot the guy!" Iconic. I have three of them. It is the Astra Terminator, a semi-custom gun from the 80s, chopped down from a 6-inch. It is a 44 Magnum snubby revolver, and it is delightful. A bit heavy, but it is an iconic weapon from the 80s. Always dreamt of having one after I saw a lethal weapon. Now I can actually afford to buy guns like this. The next one, this is the one that really, really, let's show Mel. This is the gun that he just made famous. It's the M9. It is the service weapon of the United States military until recently. This movie made it very, very famous from Beretta, from Italy. And then, oh my gosh, maybe my favorite scene in the movie, when he's in the desert waiting for the general to save the girl. Mel is lying there in the sand with perhaps the best sniper rifle ever made the H&K PSG-1. Did you like that scene? What, what's your favorite scene, Chris? I, I love the desert scene. What about you? The desert scene. That's an interesting uh, point. You know what? I don't know if there's a favorite scene that I have, but 
It, did that did that Beretta end up becoming sort of like standard issue for police yes. throughout the country? Yes, yes, exactly. Now, is, yes. Do you think that that was yes. done by because of this film? I, I think this film did more than anything else. It's like Top Gun for the U.S. Navy, right? After Top Gun, mm-hmm. they had a nine hundred percent increase in applications to the U.S. Navy and even the Air Force. But yes, this was already uh, by eighty four or eighty five. It had become the uh, U.S. military sidearm. But after this movie, you know, the LAPD and on down started to buy this for their police officers. So absolutely, I hadn't made that connection until you. That you pointed that out. Now you were you were a little bit you know you were of age when this film came out. I was quite a young lad. Uh, I would have been seven years old. So you must remember what it was like when this was in theaters and when this was a big deal and the oh, culture yeah. was. Oh yeah. What what was that like? What was that like in '87 when this movie? Everybody came out? wanted to be Mel Gibson. You know, I I I yeah. I, I wanted that red shirt, and I'd wear, I would wear that red shirt unbuttoned over my blue jeans. I couldn't get decent cowboy boots because I lived in England where there's no bloody decent cowboy boots. But you know, I'd have army boots, the the jeans. I'd have the red shirt open over my t-shirt. It's like when Miami Vice came out. I'm sorry, I'm in England with the crappy weather and I'm wearing canvas espadrilles and a white canvas jacket in England because I'm I'm 16 and I want to be you know Sonny Crockett that's awesome man I didn't you know it's funny because like when I was a kid I didn't I wasn't always aware of what was influencing the culture. You just knew what was cool and what wasn't by what other kids were doing. You didn't necessarily realize that it would come from, like, say, Lethal yeah. Weapon or Die Hard or whatever it was. But you, you have that memory. You have that clear memory, well, look, which I think is very cool. This is another version of, of what Andrew Breitbart taught us, is it not, right? That, that politics is downstream from culture. Things, you know, mm-hmm. the culture drives everything else, including politics. Now, you know, you may not know what the source of that cultural influx is, whether it's movies or whether it's today, you know, that TikTok post or whatever it is. But culture is the dominant influence on on human society. And then it gets translated into other things, into science, into politics, into what have you. But my gosh, Andrew Breitbart taught us so very, very long ago. But yeah, I was a pop culture kid. I may have been growing up in England, but I loved everything that was American pop culture. So whether it was looking like Sonny Crockett or looking like, uh, you know, the, the Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon, you know, we, we lived American culture back then. We are making movies great again with Chris Coles. He is Mr. Reagan on YouTube. Uh, you've got to subscribe to his channel right now and the alpha critic on twitter he is mr reagan usa this is america first coming to you from just outside the insalubrious fetid rank malodorous swamp that is washington dc from the relieffactor.com studios hi everyone if you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault listen up we have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. 
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. General McAllister, time for you to die. Wow. What a great line. This film, along with Die Hard Chris, this is where we see... Oh, by the way, thank you for your kind comments on uh, the uh, Relief Factor read I just did. Malodorous Swamp. Malodorous actually came from a caller, so I give full credit because we have the best listeners and callers on the planet, and I incorporated it into my, my little read there, but you're a very kind man. Uh, these are the heroes. I mean, before this, from you know bogey on down, we didn't have barefoot heroes in in, in wife beaters running around bleeding, right? right? So whether it's Bruce right. Bruce Willis, whether it's Murtar, you know, bleeding out of his shoulder, whether it's you know mm. Gibson running down the highway barefoot, this is a different kind of hero, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, back in the day, you would have some like. <clears throat> John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, a little bit beat up. You'd see like the blood g- coming down, but it was always a little fakey. It was always a little cheesy. Well, and, and I they, feel they like looked in invulnerable, 80s... right? It's like they were bleeding, uh-huh. yeah. but they were invulnerable. Mm-hmm. The, these guys, when he, <sighs> and he's sitting there, exactly. you can feel yeah. it, right? There was like a level of realism. And I think that young people today will watch this and think that it looks a little bit cheesy and it looks a little bit fake because there are certain things that they couldn't really do uh, that they can do now with computers and stuff like that to make everything look seamless and perfect. you got to understand, like, they were just using practical effects. And I would say that there's very few things in this film that seem um, completely wrong from yeah. real life. I would say that, like, maybe, say, like, the house exploding or something like that. You know, the explosions in the 80s were... You know, I think they would use uh, gas canisters and they, you know, it was like gasoline explosion. Everything was humongous explosions. <laughs> but beyond the explosions, I mean, it, it felt pretty dang legit. I mean, the grittiness, I mean, just the, this, the this, realism. This way he's loping around, dragging his ass. I mean, you know, he, Sergeant Murtaugh looks like he's really, you know, on the edge of just collapsing. The, the moment that they catch him. When they're shooting at him, and yes. they're shooting at him, and they're shooting at him. Yes. And they're intentionally missing, but they're letting him know, we can hit you at any moment. They're on the desert, and he does this thing where he kind of raises his hands up, yes. and he holds his gun kind of like this. And I just thought, man, that looks so just sad and pathetic. And, and like, but you know he's like he's beaten right now you know he's defeated the the physicality that almost christ-like moment he looks like yes this this is surrender this is what a man surrendering everything looks like but he felt that he did what he needed to do which is to get his daughter away right from them right uh they did catch her again and brought, brought her back but that was his goal and that's what he accomplished and then they eventually of course you know, win the day. But uh, man, what a, a way to present yourself in that moment. So vulnerable. And then that obviously sets up for their victory. You know, it's it's when you when you have a hero that seems invulnerable, like you say, when they defeat the bad guys, it doesn't feel like a victory. It seems like a natural course of events. Yeah, they do this with a lot of women in film today where the woman just doesn't have any vulnerabilities. And then it's like you've set up what like the natural course of events that's just kind of boring to watch. Right. With this, it does feel like they're at it, you know, they're stuck. 
you know, they're they're tied up. They're being tortured. They're done. You know, they there's no way they can get out of this. And then they managed to. And you're like cheering for them, you know, and you're on their side. And they knew how to write a film back then, man. They did. <laughs> My gosh, this is what we need to return to more than ever. It, it you know, these are the this is the reason why we do this show to to show the way, not just for conservatives, but who anybody who understands the importance of a good story. Humans run on good stories. It's why every child wants a bedtime story. It's why. You know, Homer, the Iliad, these things have been around for 3,000 years. There's a good reason. Uh, the story is also helped immensely by the music. How did you like this, you know, the Eric Clapton uh, music, the, the, the music by Michael Kamen? It does really add to the film. What's really strange about this is, like I said, this is part of what dates this movie a little bit. But I would say that for other 80s films that had this style of music, it, it it does seem a little cheesy. It does seem a little 80s. It does seem a little dated. For some reason, and I can't quite put my finger on it, maybe you can figure this out, it really works in this movie. Oh, man, I mean, it just it gives this sort yes. of, it just gives this feeling of this is this style of film and this is, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just like the quality of everything was better. Maybe the music was just that much better. Maybe the, the cinematography was that much better. The acting was that much better. Everything just blends in this film and creates a masterpiece. I would say All this right. is a masterpiece. Hold the B-roll here. This is the fight scene. We're going to talk about that mm -hmm. uh, next. But just a second here. Uh, do you know the movie Edge of Darkness, Chris? No, I have not seen this film. So I mentioned it here for those who... So this music from Eric Clapton was basically stolen from a TV show called Edge of Darkness. Not stolen because Eric did the music for that show. It is a British th thriller to do with murders connected to the British nuclear power industry. Mel remade it as a movie starring himself a few years ago. So, guys, if you want to see one of the best thrillers, it's dark, but it's really good. Uh, it has the star who, of... of um, in Jurassic Park, do you remember the hunter who says, clever girl, just before he gets killed? Clever girl. Right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. clever girl guy is the hero of the TV show, uh, Edge of Darkness. Same, almost wow. beat for beat, same music from Eric that they reprised for the movie Lethal Weapon. And then Mel decides to remake the TV show as a movie a few years later. So just a little bit of trivia. I like to educate our audience uh, because... In college, I used to, if a girl would do something clever, I would go clever girl <laughs> did they ever <laughs> get it time. did they ever get it i don't know i don't know i think that just thought i was a lunatic of course chris did that because <laughs> he's a cool guy i'm sebastian gorka this is making movies great again with my buddy chris coles host of the mr reagan youtube channel also alpha critic what a great name and the twitter handle is mr reagan usa i'm sebastian gorka former strategist to president donald j trump and you are watching the salem news channel what about the fight scene? What, how do you rate this comparison to other movies, to Die Hard? Pretty good, no? Well, I, I have to say they had to end it with some kind of, like, showdown. In terms of script, it makes zero sense. Okay, this is <laughs> 80s logic right here. You know, it's like, it's like he, that man knows where I live. I got to get back to my house. He knows where I live. Okay, he's just escaped from this like massive takedown and he's not going to run to Mexico. He's going to go to your house for what? <laughs> you revenge? You just ruined like, why Lethal he... Weapon for me. You just ruined the movie. <laughs> no, but, but you know what? It's, it's fine. And I'll tell you why it's fine. Because it's 80s logic. It yes. doesn't have to make sense. What happens is what needs to happen for the script happens 
you don't think too much about it, right? Right. So he goes to the house to take revenge. Why? Because he's just evil as heck. Because he's That's Mr. Joshua. That's who Gary Busey is. He's Mr. Joshua. That's who he is in this movie. Right. And so he goes there to take his revenge. And it also doesn't make sense because he kills the police officers, but then they knew he was coming because there's a note in there. So why wouldn't they have warned the police officers yep. and then knock out? Anyway, so he gets there, <laughs> sees the note. The car comes in, shoots up the car. There's nobody in the car. And you know what? They're going to have a showdown. Does the showdown make any sense to have a fistfight in, you know, the, you know, with the water coming down? Of course not. But it's spectacular. And you yeah. want to see it. And you want that showdown. And you want that moment where, you know, you feel the victory. But you don't quite get the victory because although he wins, he's actually still got a gun. He's actually still going to shoot them. And then, boom, they both get him at the same time. And it's this camaraderie moment, like I mentioned before. And you know what? It's like the culmination of all the stuff we saw before, the bickering at the beginning, the having the dinner, the be kind of becoming friends, the having mutual respect for each other, you know, saving each other's lives. And now finally at the end, they just shoot the same guy at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's poetic and it's beautiful. And it doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It's, it's 80s world. It's 80s logic. That helicopter with the spotlight. So cool. Um, all right. This is the moment. Every, every episode, we take turns. All right, Lethal Weapon, classic, one of the best, not just as a buddy-buddy cock movie, but what are we going to review next? I do believe it's Mr. Reagan's turn. I think you're going to like this one. I've been thinking about this for a while. I, had, I was going back and forth between two movies. I think, I think it's time that we did Alien. Oh, yes! I was hoping. Make a little bit of a shift. I was Make hoping. a bit of a turn here into sci-fi. Love it. I'm a sci-fi geek. What? But you said you were worried. Why were you worried? I was worried that because I was picking between that and another one, and I thought maybe you would want to pick it because these are kind of like your no, favorite no, no. movies. No, no, <laughs> we, ta- we take we take we take turns. We take turns. Well, may, may I? I, know, may but I, I ask? feel like I should pick the ones that are dear to me, and you should pick the no, ones that are dear to no, you. No, no, no. What was the other yeah. one? May I ask? Well, it's one that we will do. Okay, good. Keep it. Keep I'll it tell classified. you off camera. Keep it classified. I'll tell you off camera. Right, we will do it. We okay, will good. Do I'm so excited. This is this is a job. We actually, it's part of our job to watch great movies. I mean, look, somebody has to do <laughs> I know. This. You're going to have to watch Alien this week. Somebody, and I'm going to, what was you? I'm going to say to my wife, what do you mean? What do, what do you mean I'm just hanging out on the couch? I'm working. I'm working, darling. <laughs> Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head in a swivel, watch your six, hold the line, never give up, never give in, and stay away from those malodorous swamp creatures. Stay frosty. brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And we will make America great again. 
This is America First with Sebastian Gorka. Did you take any classified documents with you from the White House? Uh, I, I did not. Um, Do you see any reason for anyone to take classified documents with them leaving the White House? Well, there'd be no reason to have classified documents, particularly if they were in an unprotected area. That's weird. Welcome, dear friends. Greetings. This is America First with me, your host, Sebastian Gorka. That's the um, former vice president, Mike Pence, who uh, in an interview said that nobody would have any reason to maintain classified documents. That was a CNN exclusive, a little flashback also from CNN just mm, two hours ago. Headline. First on CNN, classified documents found at Pence's Indiana home. A lawyer for former Vice President Mike Pence discovered about a dozen documents marked as classified at Pence's Indiana home last week, and he has turned those classified records over to the FBI. Multiple sources familiar with the matter told CNN. The FBI and the Justice Department's National Security Division have launched a review of the documents and how they ended up in Pence's home in Indiana. The classified documents were discovered at Pence's new home in Carmel, Indiana, by a lawyer for Pence in the wake of the revelations about classified material discovered in President Joe Biden's private office and residence the sources say. How weird. Why is it always lawyers? Eric, isn't it a bit of a coincidence that it was Biden's lawyers who found the top secret SCI documents in his quote-unquote office in D.C., and now it's Pence's lawyers? It is really weird, but I almost, I think I want to agree with what a previous caller said, that at this point, I'd almost trust lawyers before I'd trust the FBI or the deep state to handle this matter. Yeah, but you know why it's lawyers, don't you, Eric? Of course, of course. Client, attorney privilege, so they can't say what is in the documents. It's ever so sneaky. By the way, how did Bob do yesterday while I was out filming my new TV show? How did Mr. France do? He did fantastic. There's a reason we keep having him back on, and the audience loves him. Jeff, do you concur? How did Mr. France do yesterday? Yes, he did very good. All right. What, what's your take on this? Now they're going after Pence. Are, are the documents that Joe has so implicating and so bad that now they're just throwing shade on everyone? I don't think they're going after Pence. I think Pence didn't want to get caught up with it, so he decided to turn them in quickly himself. That's what I think happened. I don't think that they targeted Pence because it said something about how he found documents and he contacted them last week. So you think he was just doing a little uh, advanced cleanup? Yes, exactly. Interesting. All right, the biggest story. Oh, my gosh, the call board is lighting up. The number here is 833-33-Gorka. Let's get your take as well. Have you sound off on the big topics of the day, 833-334-6752. The biggest story, one that will take (laughs) quite a bit of work to uncover what's really going on. And that's why we have Greg Jarrett with us. Why we have John Solomon with us late today, the head of counterintelligence for the FBI's biggest field office in New York, was just arrested for working with the Russians, amongst other things, amongst other nations. 
literally receiving cash payments, in one case to the tune of a quarter of a million dollars. An individual who was at the center of the Trump-Russia hoax. An individual who was best buddies with Jim Comey. Jim Comey being the person who actually sent this individual to New York to be head of counterintelligence. Now, the question you have to ask, given what we know about corruption at the DOJ and the FBI, it's just a natural, well, in fact, it's a very important question to ask. Why this arrest and why now? If the FBI has been very happy to politically target individuals who are associated with the Trump administration and President Trump, from Mike Flynn on down to Peter Navarro to Steve Bannon and on and on and on, Carter Page, why this? Why would they take out somebody who was crucial to those original political targeting actions, operations like Crossfire Hurricane? Is it because there is something much, much bigger? Is it a distraction ploy? Or is it because now conservatives control the lower house, control the house, and have not only people like Jim Jordan as the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, but have already created a new subcommittee on the political weaponization of both the DOJ and the FBI, Is that the reason? Just like Pence, trying to get ahead of things, to cover himself. Is this the FBI? Is this the DNC? Is this the Biden administration trying to get ahead of things before the Republicans start to dig? It sounds plausible as a theory, doesn't it? There's there's one issue with it, however. And that is the question of whether or not the Republicans will be serious. Do you remember Benghazi? Do you remember somebody called Trey Gowdy who promised us he would get to the bottom of it? We'll get Hillary Clinton on the stand. We'll cross-examine her. And, well, she appeared. And what did she say famously? Well, rather infamously, perhaps one of the most cynical statements ever made on the record by any politician in U.S. politics with regards to Chris Stevens and the three others who were murdered by al-Qaeda affiliates in Benghazi and the State Department annex. The images are still horrific. Ambassador Stevens with a blackened face from the fire being dragged out of the compound before he was brutally murdered, and I mean brutally murdered. The medical report on his body... Well, I I can't say what happened to him on live radio. But when Hillary, his boss, because she was Secretary of State and he was an ambassador, when he asked literally scores of times for extra security, we need more DOS, we need more Department of State, DSS, Diplomatic Security Service Protection, Again and again and again, he asked her, and she said no. When that was raised by Trey Gowdy, the great prosecutor, what did Hillary respond? 
At this point, what difference does it make? Yeah, he's dead. Somebody who, by the way, she called a friend. Can you imagine if a friend of yours talked about you like that after you'd been killed violently? What difference does it make? He's dead. Do we expect another pathetic investigation? Look, um, Trey Gowdy's no Jim Jordan, and we expect great, great things from Jim Jordan. But will the GOP get serious? Time will tell. I'm Sebastian Gorka with Only Just Begun. If you enjoy the show, we've got an amazing one-on-one for you today. Don't miss it. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. It's absolutely free. Go to Spotify. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka. America first. It's free. Leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends because we have a republic to save. We have a civilization to save. And then check out. If you're America first... You've got to prove it. Check out the America First gear. Hottest item is our FBI t-shirt, the Fascist Bureau of Intimidation, jointly released with Chris Plant. And the newest, because of all the Twitter files, thank you, Elon, is Elon Musk's hashtag Twitter files. Pay attention. Are you paying attention? So much more. Go right now to SebGorkaStore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorkaStore.com. This is the Salem News Channel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 